You've fallen down the rock and roll rabbit hole. And welcome back to Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole for another season two episode. Season two. We're, we're probably halfway through season we're, two. We're chugging right through, man. It's amazing. I'm Kevin Gibson. And I'm Butch Bay. And we're happy to do this again because we have alcohol <laughs> and we have music in our brains. And, and nothing better to do. folks. Sure. And nothing better to do. That's for <laughs> sure. So tonight, we're stepping into controversy. Yeah. Gnashing of teeth. The song that everyone loves to hate. Or loves. Everyone loves. Or, or, hates, or, to, or hates to love. Hates to love or loves to hate. Or. Wagon wheel. <laughs> wagon wheel. Wagon wheel. And the many incarnations of Wagon yeah. Wheel, yes. So, yeah. so we have much to talk about. Yeah, um, very much. I, I may, I may become upset. It's okay. We'll figure it out. But uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we are going to first go to the opening ceremonies. Yes, because we have to have oh. that. Yes, always. So we have our beers on hand. Yeah, and you have you have today brought. Uh, Terrapin Hopsecutioner, an IPA with Simcoe, Amarillo, Cascade, and Centennial Hops. So not that this is a bad beer, but Kevin was very disappointed tonight. I was hoping for yeah. I was hoping for hams or Old Milwaukee. Old Mill. For for a song like this, but you're if you're listening to the Wagon Wheel, you're probably in a bar drinking Bud Light or some other crap beer. I thought this might calm your nerves a little to have. Yeah, it's like not going to hurt. Pretty, pretty beer. decent beer. From, from essentially the same latitude as Raleigh, North Carolina, mentioned in the song, I believe. So somewhere, That's true. Somewhere Not that too far from that. Yeah. Cheers, Butch. Oh, yeah. That smells magic. <laughs> so, no, uh, again, no payola from Terrapin that tastes magic. Brewing. Yeah. No, no we, get, we get no sponsorship money yet. But we're, we're always on the lookout. That. If uh, any local brewery, we have, we have talked to one local brewery. We've about. got it going. They yeah. just weren't on hand today. I was going to go get that for okay. us today. All right. Well, maybe so, next time we'll get, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get that local sponsorship. Yeah. That's going to be really fun, by the yeah. way, to announce and to enjoy. So let's, we have another, we have a sidecar. Oh, well, nice. Yeah. Related to the topic at hand. So let's do the, the tail of the tape first, and then we'll get into that. Oh, it's kind we'll of fun. I like the, the arrangement. The topic. Sure. And the tail of the tape. Wagon Wheel is a song co-written by Bob Dylan and Catch Secor of Old Crow Medicine Show. Uh, Dylan recorded the chorus in 1973. Secor added the verses some 25 years later, a quarter of a century. The song has been covered numerous times, including charting versions by Nathan Carter, which I wasn't aware of that one, yeah. in 2012, and Darius Hootie Rucker in 2013. <laughs> the song describes a hitchhiking journey south along the eastern coast of the United States with the intended destination of Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, as Old Crow Medicine Show's signature song, Wagon Wheel is in some ways bigger than the group itself. I'm going to say way bigger than the group itself. Yep. Would you say? I'm going back to that later when we talk about this. So yeah. how do you, how do you, can a band have a song that's bigger than the band? I guess Sure. That's oh, the whole absolutely. thing. Okay. My Sharona's bigger than the neck. Well, there you go. Keep going. In Canada, <laughs> it went gold. 40,000 uh, copies sold. Well, I mean, it's Canada. And uh, United, <laughs> in the United States, platinum, 167,000 uh, copies I sold. I should make fun of have free health care. Yeah, this is the Old Crow version. Yeah. Uh, Darius Hootie Rucker took the song to number one in the U U.S. and Canada on the country charts. 
some years later. So there you go. Well, and here, and here we are. There yeah. you go, and here we are. Um, so here, so right. the other beverage we have, yes, because we've mentioned Bob Dylan. So yeah. if you're listening, we have. Uh, I have a bottle of Heaven's Door, ten year. Just came out the decade series. Yeah. Um, and and Bob, I interviewed the blender. Okay. When Bob first released his first uh, Heaven's Door release. Yeah. Uh, and the blender, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he said that Bob told him. I want it to taste like a barn. A barn. So he had to find something that was very oaky to put in Bob's bottles. So what do you think is in Bob's mind when he says, I want it to taste like a barn? Who knows what's in Bob's mind ever. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so this is Heaven's Door Tenure just came out. And I, yeah. I was luckily, it was I was given, because I have that connection, I was, I was gifted a, a bottle of it. So this is the first time we've just, we've just opened it. And, so uh, thanks to Fred Minnick and and Bob Fred, Dylan. Yeah. Yep, yep. Because I, I wrote the story for Bourbon Plus, which was which was Fred's uh, invention. So All we're right. gonna taste this for the first time. Cheers. Oh my! There's a lot of brown sugar, a lot of caramel. Right. I'm getting some cinnamon, some campfire. <laughs> definitely some oak. De- there's definitely oak in there. It's not like a barn, but it's. Just- <laughs> Little, it's a little, it's a little dusty, don't you think? It's an old oaken bar. It's a little dusty in liquid form, and I'm okay with that though. No, this so, is good. It's earthy and dusty. Someone liquefied the barn. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I think that's something Bob can be proud to put his name I, on. I right think there. so. Well, yeah. otherwise he would not have bought those those barrels. No, okay, <laughs> so all right, let's get into the song. All right. Wagon wheel. Wagon wheel right. is a song that if you've if you've been alive at all in the last twenty years, you've heard wagon wheel probably a thousand times. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm sorry. A thousand um, million times. I really, yes. really, really hate this song. So can I read a definition to kind of kick off the Yeah, go for here? it. Go for I, I kind of found this today. And we don't compare those beforehand. We always come in blind. Right. So. And it kept striking me that this song is a cultural phenomenon. Is it not? Phenomenon. So I looked up what the definition. Go ahead. The I searched the Googles for what's the cultural or what's the meaning? What's the meaning of cultural phenomenon? It's also known as the bandwagon effect, and it occurs when certain individuals behave a certain way merely because of other individuals do as well. A cultural phenomenon also occurs when something or someone gains widespread popularity. This includes everything from films to musical artists to clothing styles. Yep. So I thought it was kind of like somewhat appropriate. Uh, it is 100% appropriate. It and even includes the word wagon. <laughs> so Bandwagon. Bandwagon. <laughs> Maybe that was the whole point of the lyric. They did, you know. <laughs> to get people to join the bandwagon. Sure. So... D- Everyone who who knows anything about the song at all knows that it was a Bob Dylan, just a demo, a throwaway. Yeah. And did you listen to the demo? I did. I did too. It was fairly on its way to being the song we know. What's what's and love hate today? What's funny is that that uh, Catch had to to write the verses because it was just gibberish on the demo, which to me was just. Just sounded like Bob Dylan lyrics. Yeah. He could be anything. <laughs> he does mumble could a lot. could be anything, yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it could be anything. So he, he actually wrote intelligible lyrics and made it like a sort of like a story song in a way. Yeah, it's a story you know? song. And it's, yeah. about, it's about a guy who's traveling south to, to try and catch up with this girl that, that, you know, that he's 
been broken up with. Fairly and, vague, almost sort of like vague. he's being tailed. It's not like some, the the yeah. last the last song that we we talked about on the show, which was the record of the Edmund Fitzgerald, which was very specific. Yeah, a more literal story. But, yeah, yeah, but you know, it was. I don't. I don't hate the story at all. It feels it's sort fine. of like hoboing. Yeah, some yeah, good, kind good of a hoboing, hobo. and then that fits their fits their thing, you know. But what's funny yeah. is that Catch like actually finished the song when he was seventeen. He was a kid. No way, really. Yeah, he was now a kid. that I did not know. Played it out, you know, solo for years before Dude. he helped form Old Crow Medicine Show, and then they decided to record it because they started playing it live and it went over well live. Yeah, he did a pretty fine job of it. Never considered about the rights to the song yeah. until he had played it out for quite a while, and he yep. thought, maybe I should investigate. Right. Maybe I should talk to the guy that you know <laughs> kind of wrote this thing. And So they wound up agreeing to, to split the songwriting credits. What's interesting 50, to me 50. is that Dylan has been quoted as saying, he said, Rock Me Mama was something that he got from bluesman Arthur Big Boy Crudup. Right. Who recorded a song with this title in 1944. Right. And that guy got it from a guy named Big Bill Brunzi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rockin' Chair Blues from 1940. He used the phrase, Rock Me Baby. <laughs> like a Wagon Wheel was used in the 1939 Curtis Jones song, Roll Me Mama. That includes the lines, Now Roll Me Over, Just Like I'm a Wagon Wheel. So this song was written long before it ever got... Right. Well, sure. With Old Crow Medicine Show and... You know, and and it's just funny. Well, to me. it, it like, is in, and it is, it is of a tradition. I would say sure, of these a, sort of. It's an songs. Americana kind of standard that has yeah. now now is 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 taken over the world, and, and is making these guys so much money. And it was oh, written yeah. by these long dead, you know, blues guys. Sure. What what a shocker! Because yeah. didn't Led Zeppelin make their entire career off that? They did quite <laughs> a bit of that stuff from blues guys. Yes, <laughs> but you know when I look at that that sort of thought, you know, this chorus has always struck me as sort of uh, what I would consider to be filler lyrics or sort of transparent. Like if you just sing "Roll Me Mama, Roll Me Mama," it's sort of "Rock Me Mama" is is kind of a lot like just the first thing that would come to mind of an old bluesman sitting around, just kind of. You know, just something to to pass the time. To pass the time. To to to, I mean, to lay a lyric on, or a vocal on top of a, but it's, a, a guitar part. Yeah. But to become something as big as become, it's hot garbage. It's hot garbage. I mean, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just you know, it's it's so boring and so dumb. What what does that even mean? I mean, I I, I tried to find meaning in it, and it's sort of like a what I found was like this sort of explanation that was like. A wagon wheel being a metaphor for like rough and tumble, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of like a sexual innuendo. Sort oh, I of think thing. there's definitely innuendo you know? wrapped into it. And he wants to get back to her so he can get in bed with her and she can and roll in the hay. Rock and roll in the hay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, which is oh. okay, fine. <laughs> but come on. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it as like this. This bigger than life thing and that's right. the thing is you said earlier it's bigger than the band it's bigger than music at this point it is it's yeah like, it's crazy yeah i'm sorry i think you could find people in remote african villages and play that song they probably could sing along yeah yeah <laughs> and like <laughs> against all odds 
What if, like, Hootie got hold of it? Oh, shit. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Hootie got hold of it. Hootie got hold of it. <laughs> sorry. Hootie did quite a bit with it. Uh. Well, and again, he was in a freaking, sorry, a freaking gymnasium. You can edit that out, right? Yeah, it certainly. <laughs> There'd be a big, like, And I know beep, that you won't. Like a, like a <laughs> yeah. He was in the gymnasium, like watching, his, like, watching his daughter or something, and he heard that song, and he's like, I got to cut that. And, oh. I, and I thought, when I read that, I was like, you son of a... <laughs> not no, the worst. Don't. Not the worst thought he ever had financially. Financially, but come I think on. He, I think he's sorry. He probably cut it at this point. Other than when he goes to the mailbox, he is and gets well, those giant checks, right. which he needs a wheelbarrow. But he to now take. is he's he is Adam West to Batman, you know, as Hootie is to Wagon Wheel now. To me, when I watch Darius I know his Hootie. I'm going to keep saying it to well, irritate no, you. Yeah, I'm sure. But no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I inter- introduced that as a subject. But uh, I think when I look in Darius Rucker's eyes when he sings this song, he's dead inside. He's dead inside anyway. But yeah. Well, I don't know that he's dead inside anyway. But when he sings this song, I think he... Did you hear Hootie and Bullfish? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear any of that output? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's... he was dead inside then. <laughs> I, I think the guy's got a, a, one of the greatest voices of his generation, as far as just being a soothing, beautiful thing to crack. If he would emote. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, again, I, yeah. I, I hated, I he hated Hootie and the Bluefish because he didn't emote. It was just all yeah. some some. Monotonic. It was just like you know. It was just so. Just like, come on, man. Melody counts. Before we get too far down the hootie uh, rabbit hole, I want to. I thought it was interesting to me that Catch Secor almost literally pulled this out of Bob Dylan's waste bin. This was a, you know, theoretically a crumpled, a crumpled piece of paper that Bob Dylan discarded. He was smart to do so. I'm, I'm not, I'm not pooping on the song. Oh, no, no, no. Far, or, or what he did at all. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I think he did a that'll fine bring, job. That'll bring it. me to a point in a, in a few minutes. But like, no, he did. He he wrote a great, a great little semi story song around it. I mean, I, I no, I I don't hate I don't hate what it became in 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 his hands at all. Yeah. I I think but that it I feels hate, fun. You know, it no, has a fun. It's just feel. it's a. You know, and I looked up. It's just four chords over and over and over. Yes. It's repetitive as heck. It's the easiest song to play. You should ever. People can teach it to, like, say, guitar students. Two as year the first old song. Well, yeah, I sure. think my dog Atticus <laughs> could learn to play that song. Maybe with with a couple of weeks, you know, with a practice. But like, <laughs> that make a good YouTube. That by the would way. make yeah. it would TikTok. I'm thinking. But, <laughs> okay, you know sure. what I mean? It's like, but it's like, it just it turned into something ridiculous, and and I think that he. I think he meant well because he wanted to, to, to have this song to play out, and it's again, it's not a terrible song in and right. of itself. But I mean, like to me, Bob Dylan's cast off, which had the entire chorus and melody, his thing that he didn't see fit to uh, bring to light, becomes this cultural phenomenon song, giant titan of a song that will probably go on. Beyond our lives and beyond our children's lives and grandchildren's lives, as yeah. a as a thankfully I'll be dead as an acoustic campfire tune. Sure, well, sure, <laughs> and like it's kind of it reminded me of. I always thought about uh, Paul McCartney and the pressure for Paul McCartney to record every thought yeah. he ever had. Right? Yeah. 
He wakes up in the morning and goes, scrambled eggs. And he's like, yeah. you know, oh, I got to write that I got to record that. Yeah, I gotta, <laughs> what if yeah. he didn't? You know, and so yeah. Bob Dylan throws this thing away, basically. And Catch, like, retrieves it. You know, spruces it up a little, but it becomes a giant tune. So yeah. it's kind of bizarre to me that these geniuses of music like Bob Dylan... They throw away stuff that could be a number one song. Yeah. Makes you wonder what songs have People been. It was like he basically flushed it down the toilet and then Catch yes. retrieved it from the sewer. <laughs> and the thing is, like Catch was what a name, Catch. But he, yeah. you know, yeah. he was a kid and he he wrote this song around it, and it, you know, it was like it was innocent. This oh, wasn't sure. a seventeen-year-old who was like, "I'm going to get rich off this." <laughs> he <laughs> right. wasn't. He was just writing it. You know what I mean? I mean, I, that's something you or I would have done. Oh hey, yeah, I heard this weird demo. Let's finish it. And In just no play it way did some, they think for of some being dumb rich. reason. Yeah, sure. but the thing is, because it it became what it was, it it just kept getting worse. So I interviewed when when all this was happening back in the early two thousands. I interviewed Old Crow Medicine Show. Okay. Over the phone. Yes. And I was were supposed to inter- I was supposed to interview Catch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they were in their van traveling on the highway. And I called the, the Catch's Sounds cell poetic. phone number. Yeah. And I got him, I guess. Okay. But they were so f- high. Yeah. That they kept passing the phone around. I didn't know who I was talking to. Oh. So I didn't get a, a single good quote. Not one? From anybody that I knew. I didn't know who I was talking to. They were laughing at me. They were oh. passing the phone around and just being complete jerks about it. So you couldn't quote anybody I because couldn't you couldn't anybody. say so. You so could have just quoted it all as catch. Nope. I wrote <laughs> nope. the story from the perspective of someone from the band said this. Oh. oh. It might have been the I roadie. bet writers hate that, right? Right, because we can't yeah. do our job. Sure. So mm-hmm. I had, from the very get-go, a bad taste in my mouth about that band and that song. Okay, sure. They were complete <laughs> jerks to me. Yeah. The Beatles no might have done that to you at some point. They yeah. probably yeah. would have, yeah. because they were just bigger than me. <laughs> Having fun. But that doesn't mean... I'm trying to do my job. You right. Know? I'm trying to be professional. So what was the interview about? Was it about this song? Just or them about and their them? album, and sure. they were going to be playing in Louisville at some point uh, soon. Sure. Yeah. You know... I just want to get their thoughts about how is it going on the road and how's it, what's it like to, you know, your, your album selling well, you know, just the standard questions. And they were just like laughing and, <laughs> hey, talk to this guy, talk to this guy, talk to this, you know, talk to the bass player. They weren't telling me their names. It was just like I couldn't. So it was anything. almost like a high school prank in a way. It was, or it like was sort of, and it yeah. was very immature. Yeah. Which is, you know, okay, whatever. All <laughs> right. But. That was my introduction to Old Crow Medicine Joe. And then I started listening to their music, and it was just all drug references. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, I don't want that. So yeah, it helped me hate the song that much more. Because I'm like, yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of drug metaphor in there that I'm not getting. Because uh- you know, I'm, I'm not a drug guy, you know. But, like, I mean... I think you would have not liked this song anyway. No, Had you not correct. had a bad personal experience with the band... Um, because it sort of got the brown eye girl effect, which yes. I, I or call it. another song that I hate that cover bands play is Mustang Sally. Yeah, why? Right, right. Why? There is nothing special about that song. It's boring. It's repetitive. It's garbage. Yeah, I hate it. Okay, I hate. I don't hate brown eyed girl. It's nicely melodic. It's <laughs> it a good is. pop song. It's just overplayed. Sure. Yeah, you know, like well, Sweet Caroline. I, I don't yeah. hate it. 
It's just overplayed. Overplayed, and then becomes this audience participation thing, which is a little... Which is fine. I don't hate it. But I really hate this song, and I've I've never figured out whether I hate it because I hate it or because I hate it because it got big. I feel like that it's part of that. I think it's maybe both. It became... It wasn't that it just was coming out of the radio. It was coming out of every karaoke session, every bar band, everything. So it was hard to escape... So say if it started it started annoying you at some point, then you couldn't get away. And from then it, it got bigger and bigger. Yeah. So here's here's what I here's what I did the little research I did. Okay, check this out. Okay. It keeps getting worse. Oh, here's why. Does it? <laughs> because it keeps getting longer. Oh, it does. So Dylan's version was about three and a half minutes. <laughs> was it? Did he get that much into it? Yep. Really? Okay. Old Crow's version was just under four minutes. All right. <laughs> Hootie's version was just about 18 seconds short of six minutes. Oh, is that right? Okay. <laughs> what happens if Dave Matthews gets hold of this freaking song? I'm going to have to uh, kill him. It, boy, if, yeah. It'll be 19 minutes. If the Dead and Company get a hold oh, of it. or good or, God. Or, or Fish, God forbid. Fish. <laughs> it might get to be about God. a 15-minute song. So I thought this was very – this surprised me a lot about this song. I looked up on YouTube the Old Crow video, you know, to kind of yeah, see. Yeah, I couldn't watch it. Well, that's okay. But I looked up how many views on the Old Crow video. 71 million views. That's, that's a lot not of Not a shock. That's, that's a big. A, that's big. So then I looked up the Darius Rucker uh, Numbers on YouTube, the official video, 363 million. So that is four. This is what's wrong with America. It's just crazy, though. I I was, uh, I always have thought of it as a, as an old crow song and have Darius. Right. um, I mean, I forgot he even recorded it, but he's the one that made it, that bastardized it and and made it into the devil. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. I'm sorry. This this bourbon's really opening up, by the way. Um, so I mean, I don't know. It's like I go back to like we built this city. You know? Okay. I hated that song from day one, did and then you? it got yeah. big. I hated it. So did I really? Hate, you know, like we talked about this when we did the the episode on uh, on Hotel California. Okay. Yeah. You know? Sure. And oh I went yeah. Back yeah. and listen to. It, I'm like, okay, I don't hate it as much as I thought I did. It does harken back to that. Yeah. That it does. Uh, yeah. And so. I couldn't listen to the to the Darius version. I would never do the the Hootie version. I would never do that. Okay, but sure. I listened to the, the Bob Dylan version. I'm like, this this actually sounds sort of pure. Oh well, yeah, simple. the demo version that is simple. It, it does but, have a pure thing. But it was sure. there was stomping and there was sing along. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so I sort of get why it became what it became. You know, I sort of get it. And I've written stupid songs like that too. So I'm not above any of that. It's a no. very singable chorus, it, like it a ballroom singable. You absolutely know, is. Like I think drinking songs sort of went out of style once once people immigrated from Europe to here, right? Yeah. But this this reminds me of a drinking song maybe yeah. from Europe where absolutely puts their arms around each other. Whereas and they we, sing a we built the city is like the most <laughs> just I mean annoying piece of musical garbage that ever existed to me. Whereas this song, I I think I mostly just hate it because of Hootie and because it got so big and because that interview, it made me hate that band so much that I never listened to it. So you got off the phone really frustrated from that. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm trying to do my job here and you're being (laughs) complete about it you can edit that out right yeah well they were probably sure <laughs> another another 
another beep. I'm sound sorry. I'm like really passionate. Oh, about I don't think this it song. hurts to have our our uh, podcast punctuated by a few like censored sounds or whatever they call yeah. those. Or, well, tonight is going to be a name be for those. Well, that's fine. But so. I mean, do you feel like <laughs> I want you to go back in your memory before you talked to Oak Crow Medicine Show in the van when they were drunk and and. God knows what else was going on. Being turds. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, they were yeah. more than drunk. So, so did you hear this song ever? Do you? Think, I don't remember. And think, oh, it's all right. I don't remember hearing it at all. Okay. So I don't know that I heard it. You know. So it might have been a thing where I didn't hear it till after, and so it was already tainted. I really don't remember. Yeah. So I have to admit to being in a cover band or a band that played this oh, song. Oh, you had to play this? We played this song occasionally, and we enjoyed it. And this was before it was really widespread as a well, thing. I'm sure, but you, you probably enjoyed the audience reaction to it. Yeah, very much Why so. Not? I mean, yeah, I get and that. And it came out of sort of the, uh, the neo-folk underground at some point and rose to this right. monolithic beast that it has become, you know. So, I mean, don't you think yeah. that if you're in a cover band – and you don't play it, you're going to be like ostracized by society? Well, it's sort of like when, uh, say, if uh, Rick Springfield came to town and didn't play Jesse's Girl. You know, it reminds me of a similar kind of thing. Right. You're semi-obligated to play it. Exactly. Yeah. But, like, when you're doing I, when a it good comes job on, when, a, when I, like, if I'm at a, a, a show and a cover band starts playing it, I get really just immediately irritated. Oh, yeah, sure. I okay. just get an ear. I'm like, oh, God, I've got to sit through this for four minutes. I you know I'm really I hate it that much. Well, as as I think the assigned supporter of the song for this broadcast, um, I I feel somewhat of that uh, revulsion myself due to hearing it too many times. Yeah, which some songs get away with that for me. Like I don't mind hearing Freebird, even though this this is sort of the modern Freebird. I'm gonna say, and that's what yeah. And yeah. Then, did you see the same quote I saw? That, oh, there was a quote okay, like it's yeah, I've got a the quote acoustic that, musicians Freebird. Is that what, uh, what do you what got? What I found was um, so John Cranford, uh, who works for the music label Swamp Fire Records. Okay, yes, said it's yeah. our generation's Freebird. He said it has quote. Become a barroom staple that drunks love to loudly request at every show, regardless of who the band is. So that is the free bird. Yeah. That's the free bird that symptom. Free bird. Yeah. Whether they're being funny or actually wanting to hear it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting, though? And our, you know, our friend Charlie Chesterman, rest in peace, Charlie. Yeah. Um, but he, he, he told me one time when we were talking, he said that, People would yell out "Freebird" when they were playing, and you know it was they were an original band, Scruffy the Cat. Oh yeah, so it was said, a little worse. Said, so they learned it. Did they? <laughs> yeah. And he said, and they would start playing it at times if it got too rowdy. Right. And he said, like the first minute or so it was funny. And he said, and then after about that first minute, people were like, "Oh no!" I always remember you telling me that, yeah. like it, it, it kind of mm-hmm. wore. And they, they were like, "Yeah," and it was like, "Oh no, what have we done?" You know. Right. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, he did, did did it on purpose. I, mean, I always thought that was a great. That was an interesting story, but. Does every generation have their free bird or need a free bird? I don't know if that happened before free bird itself. Um, I, I wonder know. if there was a song in the in the sixties, you know, or the fifties. But probably. I mean, we, we'll be, we won't know that. But it's kind of a fun phenomenon. I was know? reading yeah. that like certain venues across the country and festivals have banned it. Really? Play it. Yeah. Oh no way! Really? And it's reminiscent to me of like Wayne's World scene where it says no. He starts playing Stairway to oh, Heaven. No Stairway, no stairway. <laughs> Sure. But there's, yeah, I saw I saw signs of, 
you know, wagon wheel with the, the round circle and the slash through it. And Oh, um, really? Oh, I had no idea. So this, this Cranford guy, he said, the song was great when Dylan wrote it and Old Crow played it, but once Darius Rucker flooded the airwaves with his version, all hope was lost. I really don't think that helped at all. Nope. Yeah. So it made the Thrillist.com list of worst songs to play in bars. Oh, it did? Yep. And it also made the SouthernThing.com's list of 31 songs people think are overplayed, overrated, or just awful. So, so it's in the zeitgeist that it is, that, that, is, that people yeah. know that it's that people, overplayed. People love to hate it. You know, yeah. A lot of people love to hate but it. But that becomes a sport in itself, right? And a, and a joy of sure. life in itself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's sort of like people hate the New York Yankees. I think I mentioned this on the Eagles Or the uh, New York Patriots. Or yeah, it's just sort of it's so successful that it becomes truly annoying, yeah. you know? Yep. So, <laughs> I, I, as you know, I wrote a song. I wrote a parody, a song parody, a very Weird Al song parody. And I tried to find the lyrics today, and I couldn't find them. Couldn't get it going? Yeah. So, I'm sure I've got them somewhere on a jump drive. But I wrote a song parody called You're a Cliche. And so, that was... My chorus was, was uh, say, hey there, cover band, play it for real. Hey there, cover band, play that wagon wheel. And that was in quotes. And then, and then it's, oh, you're a cliche. So it's, oh, you're a cliche. So it was from the point of view of a bunch of middle-aged people out in a bar. And they start, they scream for the band to play wagon wheel. And the band plays it. And they lose their minds. And one of them actually, like, accidentally knocks over the lead singer's mic stand. You know, it's a, okay. it's a story song, just like the song itself. <laughs> and then, then when they're less, done, less hobo they do a round of shots, and then they start screaming for him to play it again, and the, and the, the cover band refuses. Oh. And so they revolt. Whoa. And like the, the, the last song or the last verse is, we're never going to see this band again. Hey there, cover band, play it. So... Oh yeah! Wow. So we we talked about this many times. And we never yeah. recorded it, never played it. But it sound it, it felt a little mean, but it, it's a little mean, <laughs> but it's also very honest. You know, it, unlike Hootie, I like that it has a story arc. I really right. like that. Yeah. I did that on a purpose. I'm a songwriter, you know. <laughs> but I wonder about uh, Darius there and what he thinks. I'd love to see it, you know, like an interview or talk to him about it. It was but a I mean, cash I don't grab. Think he'd ever Come have on, a moment. It was a cash grab. Sure, sure. I don't hate Hootie, but I'm just saying. No, 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 no. Yeah, grab. he's not a hateable kind of fella, but. No, he's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though he went from, from pop to country with no warning. Oh, uh, well, there you go. <laughs> so I've seen Old Crow over the years, and I watched a few videos of this performed live, you know, they, and uh, and back in the day, they had a man uh, named, or a kid named Willie Watson in the band, sure. and uh, when they had him in the in the band, this song sounded really, it sounded really uh, spiffy, you know, <laughs> like it had a real crackle to it. And then uh, this band's had more lineup changes than Menudo, yeah. you know what I mean? They just keep changing, and there's like 50 guys on stage, it appears to me, with, you know, like five banjos, and you know. Yeah, it's, but, like, uh, it's like Dave Matthews. But for, but for I thought the original core, yeah, the crew of uh, Old Crow originally really did a fine job of this song, and I saw them live fairly early on at you know, oh, yeah. at the palace and some stuff like that. And it was that was probably the show nice. that I that I was trying to promote for them when they wouldn't. Well, it was probably the, yeah, the, the actually was, the apex yeah. of their fame. Yeah. But they've continued on making a, you know like a lot of appearances, and they they draw I think pretty well. But my brother saw them more recently, and he said they they couldn't have played this song sort of faster and more dismissively 
like they probably are haunted by it themselves, yep. you know. So well, it serves them right. <laughs> Don't you wonder about the, that about being trapped in the you know sure, having man. to play it, everybody waiting for it, you know? Yeah. And, and that's you know, I was I go back to Doug Figer that when that show with the Knack one of the the, the last time I ever saw the Knack before he died a couple of years later was and that guy was screaming my Sharona from the from the get go. <laughs> yeah. And he leaned over. I was up front with near that guy and, and Doug said, If we play it now the show's over. <laughs> and Doug knew that. He's like, We're just biding our time till we play the one song you want to hear. Doesn't that have and then to you go feel home. weird, you know? Terrible. Like, I mean, I, you know. I mean, they have the people like you that go to the show, and I'm sure Old Crow has a similar And I want to hear the new thing. stuff and the yeah. old stuff. I want to hear all of it. But see, there will be a, a group of people like that at every show, but then yep. there's mostly the people mostly the say, people oh, just the Wagon Wheel hear, Band. Yep. We want to hear one song. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we we're lucky as musicians that no one wants to hear any of our songs. Well, yeah, that's, that's really beautiful. good. It's so they're beautiful. all on a level playing field at, yeah, at that just, point. No one cares at all. So that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So we got a buddy, Rob, that's in one of the most successful cover bands in our local area. And, you know, one of the more... The Remainders? He, he Well, no, he used to be right, in the, rumors, the yeah, biggest, he's not the in biggest local cover band. He that, moved on from that when they started doing the Grease uh, medley. Well, sure. But, I mean, it's, it's a band that has perfected sort of that cover band kind of deal or like... Yeah, at his, in his time, right? And I'm sure they do. So have you talked to him? Now. Yeah, have you talked to him about this song in particular? No, I haven't. He's he's been out of that band enough. He doesn't want to talk about it. I'd love to hear his take on it. Really, I would too. You know, yeah, so. we, we, we'll we'll have him on the show at some point. We're going to get back to that. The so way I felt in the band that I had that was playing this song was that it was a an easy song. Yep. It felt like almost like a break for the band. Yep. And it was always a pretty surefire in any room, any situation, a pretty surefire pleaser, you know. Yep. So. And I hate it. <laughs> One time we were playing a town in the middle, Luzerne, Michigan, in the middle of Michigan, sort of like a winter, you know, kind of like a <laughs> cross-country skiing like town and uh, sort of a, a river tubing summer town. <laughs> and uh, we played a bar there in Luzerne called Ma Dieters. And I remember a woman came up during the set and was talking to me through a whole song, fussing at me for playing uh, for us, at us for playing depressing rock and roll. I remember roll. this story. Yeah. So I figure, um, I figure we played Wagon Wheel shortly after to kind of like cheer, cheer her up. Mood, yeah. yeah. But I, you ever had a conversation through a whole song during a, a gig? No. It was so bizarre. Well, but I've, I've, I've had a woman dance it. in front of me and show me her boobs, but that's, that's as far as it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. That was so gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> so gross. Are we done with this? Because this song is just uh, annoying the hell I out of me. I think we're done. I, I think I see the merits of the song itself. I see that it started out as a good thing that maybe turned into a... I think it started out as a... Uh, uh, yeah. There's a reason Bob Dylan didn't finish it. It was simple and and not that great. Well, you know, like speaking of tonight's uh, sidecar here, Heaven's Door, uh, I feel like uh, he used it as a part of his process to get to the song Knocking on Heaven's Door for the Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid soundtrack. But yeah. uh, I feel like it was part of that process, and he kind of knew that. It was not sure. all there, you know. Sure. He was like, yeah, I made this thing. I don't care about it. And then catch, catch. Ketch found it and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna turn it into this," which is fine. But yeah. it it 
it's not that good. I'm but, sorry. But who ultimately decides? You know, does the public then? The public uh, and the public are idiots. Oh, I work oh. with the public. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've insulted the entire public. I don't care. I just don't care. (laughs) Well, I'd say we've kind of like kicked the tires on this one. They said they wanted to have the energy of Nirvana, which, you know, is kind of interesting in that way. But um, they continue on down the road. I think they're caught in this purgatory, you know, maybe that band. And uh, well, they brought on themselves. I mean, you know, I wish them no ill will, but at the same time, you know. I think they were bright-eyed kids with high ideals at one time, you know, and now they're stuck just kind of like. Well, they they were thing. they had high something. Well, well, there you go. As, I don't as, know about the ideals, but as, they were definitely high on something. As illustrated by your phone call. All right, to the rock and roll rabbit hole, Shall and we'll we go on. Close out this one. Yeah, we'll before close I get it now. really, really. Yeah, aggravated. we don't want to get any more high blood pressure uh, yeah. from this song. This, so. this song. Yeah. <laughs> I will see you guys next time. Uh, we have more stuff lined up. We hope to have more and more episodes coming out. Uh, we do have a show coming up, so we'll have to take a break for that. But it's all as, a balancing, a always yeah. a balancing act. So please, yes. everyone who who uh, downloads us and listens to us, we appreciate you absolutely. And we hope that you will continue to, and we'll try to be uh, better in the future <laughs> <laughs> and less crabby. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've insulted the entire public. I don't care.